Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes. A little bonus Inside Carolina podcast action, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com, of course. Greg's in Columbus to follow the Tar Heels. They, of course, play tomorrow about 9.30-ish. Uh, the, one of the late games on Friday evening. Greg, busy day for you today. I know it was open practice for everybody. Um, you saw Carolina. You saw the press conferences. Just an overview of everything that's going on today up in Columbus. Well, I think that the main takeaway for me is that this this team is, is, is pure business. Uh, we've seen some teams that have been number one seeds who enter the, the postseason, uh, and they're, they're really loose and joking around and having fun Um, and not to say this team is not, but there's just kind of an underlying sense that, Hey, we've got a lot left to do. Um, I think we saw that coming out of the ACC tournament where uh, yes, they lost that semifinal game to Duke, but there wasn't a lot of kind of hanging of heads. It was more like our season's not over. Uh, We wanted this game. We didn't get it. Now we have to focus on these, these, next six, which we can't win six unless we win the first one. And so when you talk to guys like Luke May and uh, Kenny Williams, of course, who have kind of been through the ringer, and they've been, they've experienced the ultimate high of winning a national championship. They've experienced the, the tough low of you know, losing on the last second shot. And then of course, getting knocked out early last year, uh, they understand what it takes. And so they've done a really good job of kind of relaying that uh, to the other guys and now you've got people like you know Garrison Brooks and, and Brandon Robinson and Seventh Woods who kind of understand what it takes as well. And so when you talk to Nasir Little and Kobe White and, and Leaky Black, they're very level-headed. They understand kind of what's in front of them. They understand they need to enjoy the moment. I mean, this is a fun time. But at the same time, uh, you know, if you if you peek ahead any, uh, you can lose. And I think Virginia losing last year kind of is driven at home for a lot of these teams. So it's a very kind of adult, mature uh, take for this team, a little bit different than what we've seen. And, you know, granted, you don't have a Theo Pinson running around, so that, that changes things anyway. Uh, but it's just kind of how this this team is built. Um, and there's there's a lot that they want to get done. Uh, and I, I think that was that was kind of the primary thing to me is not a lot of joking around, not a lot of playing around, more – matter of fact, and this is what we've got to do. This is how we got to this point, and this is what we have to continue to improve on to make sure we, we advance past Friday night. Uh, certainly, Virginia and what happened last year, like you said, has gotten everybody's attention. You don't see too many people, um, at, at least not um, on paper, you know, talking about their games beforehand, even remotely looking over each other or another opponent, but let me ask you a little bit about the the fun they did have. And I still can't believe that Carolina freshmen fall for it, running out on the the open practice. And then Kobe and Nas completely out there. Leaky Black thought he um, knew it was coming and and said you can't fool, you can't play the player or whatever. But they did have a little bit of fun today in that open practice, which is what those things are built for. I mean, they're built for the fans – the players get to have some fun. Just speak to what you saw out there with them um, 
you know, no Theo Pinson granted, and that knocks it down a notch. But the guys appeared to at least enjoy their first day on that court to get ready. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a, a key distinction, Tommy, is that when I say they're not, you know, the, the jokesters maybe we've seen in the past, it's not like they were all uptight and panicked. I mean, that certainly is not the case. They're, they are loose. Uh, they understand, you know, how well they're playing. And you can see that. And so that's one of the neat things is when you have guys like Sean May and Kendall Marshall around the program uh, who have played on some really good teams and had a lot of success in this tournament, and they're out there kind of joking around with the guys and, and you know, guarding them and you know, trading shots and those types of things. I think that kind of builds this kind of atmosphere of, of uh, confidence. And I think that's what you saw out of these guys uh, during the open practice. And then when you when you factor in some of the some of the dunks we saw, I mean, Cam Johnson was impressive with some of the dunks he threw up. We hadn't really seen him do that. Um, I kept expecting Brandon Huffman to give us a show, and he really didn't. But Garrison Brooks did, and then of course you know seventh and Nasir Little are going to have some good dunks. But good gracious, Caleb Ellis, um, kid out of Apex, my my neck of the woods, um, just phenomenal with his his leaping ability. I know he was. He was like top five in the state at high school and, and uh, the high jumps. And he, he put that on display. But just watching those kids uh, attempt these dunks and then watching how their teammates celebrate and watching how Roy Williams celebrates, which is pretty funny. And he he, he kind of jumped up and down when, when Luke May did a 360. Um, and so they're certainly certainly having fun. And that's what you've got to do this time of year. If you take it too seriously, you, you, you can kind of get – get caught with you with your pants down a little bit and i, I think they've, they've done a good uh, mix of, of having fun enjoying the moment uh, embracing the moment while understanding that there's a lot of work to be done and that's a very delicate balance uh but but to me it seems like this team's got a pretty pretty good hold on that right now yeah it's it's funny how you see teams that are really experienced in the tournament as Carolina is uh, the freshmen no, but all, everybody else has heavy experience in the NCAA tournament and then you see these teams that have never been and the the difference in how they act they have no senior leadership that's ever been they have um, no idea of what it's like and teams usually play like that so I expect this Carolina team to be ready Greg um in the post game, or, or excuse me, in the you know the post practice press conferences, um, Kenny and Cam certainly sound the part of a pair that, and you mentioned it earlier, but I want you to expound on it a little bit. Kenny Williams, he's getting to be at Carolina like forever, it seems like, and he's been around. He's seen it all from the bench. He's seen it all on the court. He's been hurt. He's been really good. He's been bad at times. I mean, this guy has done. Uh, every gamut for North Carolina over his now fourth season. Speak to what you saw and heard from him specifically um, today, both at the practice and in press in press conference. Well, I think Kenny has really, from my perspective, has emerged as kind of the, the key team leader. Um, you know, Luke Mays is a great leader, and he's one of those guys that does a lot of a lot of his work in in, in leading by his actions. Um, and Cam Johnson's a little bit of that too, but he's also kind of a vocal guy. But as you say, you know, Kenny has been through so much during his time here. Um, you know, with with getting the getting the starting role his, his sophomore year after a tough freshman season, 
and then getting hurt and not being able to play in North Carolina's title run, uh, and then really kind of bouncing back last year, having a really good year shooting the ball. And then you get to this year, and you're like, all right, everything's going to work out just right for Kenny. And what happens? You know, his, his shot's not falling the way he would like it to. And there's been times in the past where if his shot wasn't falling, he kind of vanished. And he has not been that type of player this year. Um, he's been a great defender, as he always has been. Uh, but he's done all the little things. And more importantly, he, he's really kind of emerged as that, as that vocal leader. Um, and that's one thing that you heard in his comments uh, you know, today. That's one of the things you saw you know, during the open practice as he's kind of telling people, hey, you need to do this and this and joking around with the coaching staff and, and getting shots in where he could uh, and really praising his teammates whenever he had questions asked to him, uh, even in the, in the locker room period. And uh, he's, he's really each, – each team has a player that is so comfortable talking with the media, so comfortable in his beliefs and his understanding of the team that they're your go-to quote. You know, Marcus Page was that for a couple years. Uh, Kenny Williams started to be that last year, but he certainly has been that guy this year. Uh, just a, a very uh, articulate young man. And you can see that play out. And so when you've got guys like him and Luke – who have been through so much. And then you got a guy like Cam Johnson, who he's another one that um, you know, he, he came to North Carolina, uh, had, a, had a good year last year, really hoped to have a deep run. That's really what he wanted. And then North Carolina, of course, gets knocked out in the second round. And so you know, he's used that as motivation. And so you've got three really key guys uh, that have, have kind of elevated this team to play very well. I mean, it's allowed guys like Nasir and Kobe to come along at their own speed, and I think that's benefited both of those guys, even though Kobe's been good for a long time. Um, and it really just kind of gives you a solid foundation. And I think Kenny, with his leadership, uh, may be, you know, may be the, the leader of those three too. Let me ask you about Cam Johnson. Of course, you listen to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com, Franklin Street, locally owned and alumni-operated uh, visit them there on Franklin Street on game days or online. And, of course, our Inside Carolina Premium subscribers, you can get that 10% off code, save you some money. They've got the pregame warm-ups. They've got all that stuff at johnnytshirt.com. They've got stuff that you didn't know you could find in the Carolina version at the store and online. So check them out at johnnytshirt.com. Cam Johnson, Greg, I, I feel like um, at this point maybe we're – a year later than everybody expected for Cam, probably Cam included. Um, you mentioned he wanted to have that uh, the deep run in the tournament last year. This year, he showcased his game. He's gotten a lot of recognition of late, um, which I don't know why it's just of late because he's been fantastic all year. But from pro scouts, he's moved up in some boards. Um, your take on where he is now versus where he was last year and maybe his attitude towards it all. Because like you mentioned, he's one of the elder statesmen, um, but he's also been there, done it, and done it at a high level. And now here's his last run. Yeah, and I think one thing with Cam that I think people tend to overlook is he didn't come into a program like North Carolina like Kenny and Luke did as a guy that wasn't highly recruited, which he wasn't. Um, but Kenny and Luke were able to kind of wait in the wings and watch North Carolina get to a title game in their freshman year and win a national title in their second year. So they came in with this expectation of uh, we're going to contend for the title every single year. 
Well, that didn't happen for Cam when he was at Pitt, right? They had some good teams there when he was there, but nothing like what he's experienced in North Carolina. And so I, I think Cam more probably than everybody, anybody, um, has been able to appreciate kind of what he stepped into. Um, and you know, he did have some really good games last year and kind of showcased his talent. And he's, you know, he's got such a quick release and a very accurate. But you could tell last year that one of the reasons that he wasn't a guy that people were talking about as a you know, maybe a fringe lottery pick is because he just didn't have that lateral quickness. He wasn't a good defender and because he couldn't get down low in a stance. Um, he didn't have a you know, he didn't show a ton of athleticism, even though he was a good athlete. But then you get to the offseason, he goes through the the hip surgery, and it's almost like he's a different player. And he's talked about that a lot this year, but uh, I think that's really uh, kind of boosted his confidence. So when you combine the you know, enhanced athleticism, the ability to play better defense, and then the confidence that comes with his uh, shooting ability, I mean, he's he's incredibly efficient. Um, now you have a, a kid who, I mean, like watching him dunk the ball in open practice today. He's doing some dunks that I, I never thought I'd see him do, um, and that that kind of bodes well for his his future after you know, UNC. Uh, but it kind of just explains why he's been the type of player he's been this year. And so I think all those things combined, especially the fact that you know he was not very I think it's like two twenty or something coming out of high school. Um, and so for him to elevate his game to where it is now uh, is only going to be accomplished by somebody who is determined and dedicated to improving their craft and to kind of proving people wrong. And that's the same kind of thing we can talk about with Kenny Williams and Luke May. They had those same conversations their freshman year. And so now you got three guys like that in your senior class. Uh, that's one of the reasons I think UNC has uh, kind of surprised a lot of people. And I think that's one of the reasons that Cam went from – you may be late first round type guy to now they're talking about him you know, being a potential lottery pick. And it's because of that, that determination and his improved athleticism and scoring ability. And I don't want to leave out Luke May, but we've talked about him a lot and everybody that certainly listens to this podcast understands Luke May and his trajectory at Carolina. The interesting thing when the brackets came out is everybody talked about, uh, could it be a Kentucky Carolina rematch? And, I've, I'm on record, and Greg, you are too, saying I want to see it, and I want to see Carolina and Kansas. And judging from the way Kansas played today against, I believe, Northeastern, winning by thirty something, you know that Kansas is uh, a lot of people have written them off. They certainly played like a team that will be there in the Sweet Sixteen um, should Carolina get there. Greg, let's talk a little bit about um, the younger guys and. Everybody talks about the NCAA tournament is guard-oriented, guard-heavy. And I watch other teams play today. I watch Ja Morant, who unbelievable. I would pick him first, and I would pick him first in the draft simply because I don't think Zion stays healthy. And I'd definitely pick him over R.J. Barrett. Uh, but I see guys like that are just so effective. Uh, Kobe White has an opportunity to – if he can elevate his stat, his stock anymore, he certainly is going to be on the stage to do it uh, both Friday night and beyond in this tournament. Yeah, and you're exactly right that this is a, a guard-driven game. And when you get into the postseason where so many of these games are close, you have to have a guard who can uh, demand the ball, who can command the ball, and who can make plays when it matters. 
I mean, I, I think that's a critical component. I mean, it, you talk about 2009, that title team. And as good as Tyler Hansbrough was, and of course he was National Player of the Year the year before, the reason North Carolina wins that uh, tournament the way they did, as dominantly as they did, is because of Ty Lawson. Um, and he was the best player on the court. I don't think there's any question about that throughout the entire tournament. And that's that's kind of what you have to have. And so I think that's the unique dynamic of this team is that while well, you got you've got guys like Kenny and Luke and Cam who really are your your core, both in from a leadership perspective and from a, a scoring and, and everything, I mean, perspective. That's that's your the heart and soul of your team. You also have a guy like Kobe who, because he doesn't have the pressure of all those other demands, he can just be Kobe. He can just play, and he can push tempo like Roy wants to push it. Um, and he's done that phenomenally. And he's had some incredible games. And I, I wrote about this in the ACC tournament. Um, but when you look at what we talked about with Kobe early in the year, it was, okay, we know he can score the ball, but he gets out of control sometimes. He's not that great of a defender. And then he, he commits a lot of turnovers. Well, what's happened? He's dramatically improved his defensive play, and he's cut down on turnovers. I mean, over his last four games, he has five turnovers. If that continues into the uh, NCAA tournament, that bodes very, very well for North Carolina uh, because that was about the only way you could kind of slow him down. Now, he does have those games sometimes where he gets shot happy and takes some bad, some bad ones. Um, but for the most part, he's done a good job with that. And so I do think that all these pieces work well together. And Nasir is another one, right? I mean, I think Garrison Brooks playing as well as he's played, that's taken some pressure off Nasir. And so Nasir has been able to get into some of these games and really be able to contribute without feeling the pressure to contribute. Um, and Kobe's the same way. And so you've got all these interconnected pieces that maybe wouldn't work together in other settings, but the way Roy organizes things they work together quite well and so if you can get Kenny Williams maybe to knock down some shots and then you can get Kobe to do what he does and so you've got two really good guards you know in the game for you uh, that that puts you at the top of the list that's one of the reasons North Carolina is a number one seed and that's a, one of the reasons a lot of people have them advancing to Minneapolis yeah and for anybody that doubted how important Garrison Brooks is to this team and, and being on the floor you saw it last Friday night against Duke. I mean, right. When he went out, it was over. Uh, yep. And uh, it was as simple as that. No matter what Kobe did, what whoever did, when he went out, you got the sense that that ball game was over. Greg, let's look at the, you know, I know Sherelle in our per, uh, preview podcast of the tournament said, you know, think of it as an eight-team tournament. I like to look at them as three four-team tournaments. So Carolina's got Iona first. And then they've either got Washington or Utah State. I think the prevailing opinion is that it'll be Utah State. I've seen them play. I have not really paid attention to Washington much. But one thing Roy Williams said in his press conference today is the first thing he thinks about with Iona is Jim Vivano. And <laughs> me being old, that's the first thing I thought about. But Carolina's got to play and beat them to advance. Um, talk a little bit about what you know about them and then also um, that second-round potential matchup against those guys. Well, uh, Iona, you have to give them a lot of credit for the way they close the season. I mean, if you, if you go back to the you know, first week of February, 
and this is a team sitting at seven and fifteen. And Gregory Hall, our intern, uh, made an interesting note in in his preview for this game that with seven regular season games to play, Iona was seventh in the conference standings, and yet they win their final seven games to win the regular season, and then of course they they won the uh, MAC tournament. So. Uh, really impressive close. Iona's won 10 in a row. But this is a tournament of matchups. We've talked about that a lot in the past. This is not a good matchup for Iona. Uh, Iona likes to get up and down the court. They're top 50 in the country in tempo. They're one of the worst defensive teams in the country. They're one of the worst rebounding teams in the country. Uh, all those things uh, lean heavily in North Carolina's favor. Tar Heels are favored by 23 at the time we're doing this podcast, and I'm having a hard time figuring out how the game's going to be that close. Um, if Iona's going to have to get really hot from uh, from long range, which they can do, uh, but I just don't think this is a good matchup for, for Iona. Um, but when you start looking ahead, uh, Utah State is favored by three over Washington, um, and I, I think really what, what is impressive about uh, Utah State I've actually seen them play more than Washington, which I know is a little bit weird. Uh, but they've got some good size, um, and they're they're efficient on both sides of the ball. A lot of times when you're looking at teams that aren't like a top four or five seed, they're either really good offensively or they're really good defensively. Utah State um, is, is your top 45 in terms of adjusted efficiency on both sides of the ball. Uh, and they're a really good rebounding team, and they're good against – uh, you know, against two-point shots. So they do a good job in the paint, which has been uh, you know, a, a topic of conversation with UNC teams. Uh, this team has not scored in the paint near as much as previous teams, but they've done a pretty good job. And then you know, Utah State's also, as I mentioned, they got the size. They go 6'3", 6'5", 6'5", just in the, uh, uh, at the guard positions. And then they're 6'7", 6'11", inside. So I think that's probably a tougher matchup for North Carolina. Uh, but then you look at you know, Washington, Washington, got to this tournament uh, by being really good defensively. They are not a great uh, offensive team, but they are really good defensively, and they force a lot of turnovers. And so uh, that's an area we talked about with Kobe and the turnovers. That could be one of those games that a little bit problematic for North Carolina, uh, but the Pac-12 has just not been good this year. Uh, there's a reason Washington's uh, seated the way they are. Um, and the fact that they're also kind of slow, I, I think North Carolina's talented enough to kind of get them out of their preferred pace, uh, and that that makes things even worse, especially on the defensive end of the floor. So uh, there are some good teams uh, in the Midwest, and I think Utah State, uh, I've, I've got them advancing against Washington, but you know, we'll have to see how that game plays out. But I do think Utah State's a little bit tougher matchup for North Carolina, provided the Tar Heels get past Iona on Friday night. Indeed, Carolina, I own it 920 officially, but it's probably closer to 930 or so from Columbus. Greg, last question for you. Tell me about Columbus, Ohio. I've never been. I've always wanted to go at least see a football game up there, but what's it like? Yeah, you know, Columbus is, is interesting. Uh, I've been to most places where we go multiple times over the years, and I'm pretty sure the last time I was in Columbus, it was either the ACC Big Ten Challenge in 07 or 08. But I remember Bobby Frazier was still on the team for some reason. Um, and that's the last time I've been up here. So it's been a, been a decade. Um, it's a bigger city than you probably think. Uh, we're, we're staying downtown. 
and it's it's cold and it's wet, which I think most people would expect for Ohio this time of year. Um, but it's got a pretty good vibe. There's you know they're 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 big on the craft beer scene, a lot of breweries in the area. Uh, but it's a uh, it's a neat little place. It's a, it's a good uh, a good college town if you want to call it that. But it's a lot bigger than a college town. So it's a it's a unique place to to come and watch. And of course, Nationwide Arena uh, is, is a great venue, and it's going to be a a great place for for these games to be held. Greg Barnes live from Columbus, Ohio. This is the bonus I see podcast. Of course, Dewey Burt, Sean Moran, and John Siegley earlier in the week, and then we were earlier than that doing our bracket preview. There's plenty of video. There's plenty of audio. All the press conference information. Greg's working on some stories. Um, as soon as we get done with this show at Inside Carolina, if you need to know something about what's going on with the Tar Heels in Columbus, follow Greg Barnes, follow Inside Carolina, and get on the message boards. Greg, I appreciate your time, buddy. All right. Thanks, Tommy. Yep. Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. We will talk to you again soon. Carolina, Iona, first round of the NCAA tournament Friday night. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.